Hello, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to the Jordan Powers Experience Episode 8. My name is Jordan Powers, and on today's episode, we are interviewing my man, Jay Harv. Uh, Jay Harv is a local producer here in town, working with guys such as Indigo and a man named Castro out of L.A. who's starting to pop off right now. Um, I was super stoked to have him on the podcast because he's heading off to L.A. to finish up some of these projects he's working on. We have a chance to talk about the music industry uh, locally, the music scene in general, some of his influences. And um, as well, he talked about a hilarious story of dealing with a bomb squad in the Phoenix airport. So uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this episode a lot. Um, Let's just hear a quick word from my sponsors, starting with Oakham Cannabis. Oakham Cannabis is a privately owned, family-run craft producer here in Kelowna. BC. In their facility, they are determined to produce the highest quality of bud in their state-of-the-art Roto-Grow rotational gardening system, as well as premium full-spectrum CO2 extracted oil, all done in-house with their Apex extraction unit. Um, all done, all growing is done indoors using a hydroponic system to create a clean and controlled growing environment. Um, Oakham has been producing clean, high-quality, high-THC cannabis for almost two years. Their controlled conditions allow them to produce cannabis that is free of pesticides and mold, uh, as well as not using using irradiating. Uh, they recycle water, employ organic practices, and are energy efficient. You can get their first two products on the market pretty damn soon here in BC, if not already by the time this podcast drops. Um, so keep an eye out for Smoke'em and Discover. My second sponsor is Garnish Barware. Garnish Barware is trusted behind some of Canada's busiest cocktail bars. Uh, they do custom engraved uh, barware kits. You can get those all online at www.garnishbarware.com, including this fancy little stir spoon look at that there's a skull right on there all custom engraved here in Kelowna BC you can get a bunch of stuff more than just the spoon check it out uh, go to www.garnishbar go to www.garnishbarware.com and uh, support them so without further ado here is my podcast episode with the one and only Jay Harv all right three two one Jay Harv how you doing how you doing today Doing great. <laughs> Love the quote of the B-Tech, man. <laughs> I had to. I was all all day. I was just like, yes, I'm going to get him right at the beginning with that. <laughs> I got a quote in to go. Got to quote the goat. Nice, man. Nice. Uh, yeah. No, but honestly, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints. Uh, just another busy work day and then right. on to the podcast. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast and chat a little bit. Uh, you're a very talented producer here in town. Um, I hadn't really heard of you until you started working with Cam. Yep. Um, but instantly, as soon as you start hanging out with those boys and get plugged into the scene, then you okay. must be somebody a note. So thank you. I appreciate those kind words. hundred percent. Yeah. And you're uh, off to LA soon. I'm off to LA going to live with, uh, with Castro Guapo down there. And you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity that, that he's putting me in there. So wild. Well, yeah. uh, maybe let's, uh, go back a little bit and start with, uh, who you are and what you do and how you got to this point of working with Castro and moving down to LA. Absolutely. So I'm, uh, let's start way back. I'm, I'm a young, young Canadian kid from Alberta. So come from a little country town ish called Lethbridge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, been doing music my whole life. And then I also did like hockey and stuff, which I think was a good character builder and then end up moving in moving oh, on my own show. It's my mom. I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> I'm sorry, keep going. You were from Lethbridge yeah, playing so hockey. So from Lethbridge played hockey and then moved here um and joined the the concert band out here and it was terrible. Was absolutely <laughs> awful. Made me want to quit music actually. What uh what school? KCS. KCS. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Teacher did not know what he was doing. I went to uh, OKM and I played drums okay. and uh, yeah, it made me kind of uh, dislike music and yeah. especially band. So I, I ended up stop playing uh, in grade 11, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was grade eight actually. Oh wow. So, so early. Really early. And um, that's brutal. Yeah. It was terrible. I played alto sax. I self-taught trumpet and flute as well at the time. And then, so I quit for a little bit. I wasn't doing music. I was just doing hockey and... I ended up getting into music production, fell in love with it. And so I've been doing it ever since and went down to L.A. in 2018 for a school down there. And then Indigo and I, we reconnected once I was back because we knew each other for about a year at that point. But then we reconnected and we started talking more music, stuff like that. And about a year ago, we started recording our album that we're doing. And 
Um, he was getting a feature from Castro, which is now on his tape, Why Hate, Why Play, and it's called Ra Ra. I recorded that one and helped mix it, and Castro just liked me, whatever. So we started recording a lot, hanging out a lot, and he was just like, hey, I want you down in L.A. for a little bit. It's like, hey, if you want me there, I'm there. Cool. Yeah. Set it up. So went through the went through the motions and have it set up, fly down and stay with him for about a month. Very cool. Very cool. And what uh, what made you quit uh, in the first place when you were in band? So the teacher just did not know how to run a band. <laughs> okay. It seemed like he was passionate about music, which I can respect. But it was also one of those things where it's like, okay, he's conducting, but he's not paying attention to the right spots. Mm. And he's also not picking the correct songs for the amount of people we had. We had about... I want to say like 15 people in the band and he's picking these ones for like the concert band that I would have been in, in Alberta. Right. Like 40 people. I see. So we just don't have enough instruments going on to make the noise that we need to. And so he just, it was just terrible. Interesting. So you just had a overall not very good experience and was just like, this is not for me. Yeah. Just overall bad. Me and a buddy actually from Lethbridge were, he moved out here a year before I did and he was doing percussion and he was the one who like was like, Oh, we need to get this guy in the band. And so I joined, and him and I both quit at okay. the same time. We were like, we're both out. So. And do you remember the moment that you, like, rediscovered music production and fell in love with it? Like, there was there a specific moment? Yeah, so it's, all, it, it's a funny story telling <laughs> how I got into music production, actually. I wanted to be a rapper. Okay. So I was looking at 14 years old. I was like, okay, I want to be a rapper. I was listening to a lot of Kendrick, a lot of Eminem. Nice. I was like, okay, I, I want to do this. So I started pulling up like type beats, different things like that. And I took inventory of my life. At 14 years old, I took a step <laughs> back. I was like, okay, let's, let's see if I can actually do this. And I was like, okay, white, Canadian, <laughs> Christian, privileged. <laughs> the hell am I going to rap about? Like, what is my content going to be? So I was like, okay, I need to find a way to get into this. And then I searched up FL Studio and downloaded it and spent, you know, just doing it ever since. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you probably saved yourself a lot of cringiness oh, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. the beginning because, man, yeah. being a rapper at 14 is, it's <sighs> tough, dude. You have yeah. to... Unless you're like Matt Ox, it's not going to work. Yeah, exactly. Like, There's a very select few that can really, really pull it off. So 100%. that's yeah. interesting. And so rap and hip hop, was that kind of always the the genre that you had fallen in love with there? Yeah. So my mom, back when she was a teen, she was all about rap and everything. And my dad listened to like Public Enemy and everything like that. Nice. But my mom loved it like a lot more. And so her parents were really strict, but she hot hid a doggy style tape <laughs> under her seat. By Snoop Dogg? Or? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so she hid, she loved Snoop Dogg. And so she hid one of those under her seat. And so growing up, we listened to like pretty much anything Dr. Dre produced. We listened wow. to that a lot of the time. It was always clean up until grade six was the rule. Grade yeah. six, we could start listening to explosive music. But past that, like before that, we have to listen to clean music. And it was always clean Eminem, always clean like Dre, always clean Snoop. And just we would listen to that. So just from an early age, just loved it. Nice. Interesting. And uh, how? so you said that um, you were working with an indie and stuff and that you guys kind of knew each other. Yep. Um, indies, yeah, I, I can't remember if this was on camera or off camera, but you said he's the GOAT. Yeah, he's the GOAT. <laughs> he's literally in the Valley, he's he's our superstar. As far as I'm concerned, he has the superstar potential and he he's going to get there. I would so. agree, yeah. There's a few people that I think could really pop off and he's uh, he's on that list. He is the three in my opinion. He has... The sound, he has the look, and he has the drive. A lot of people are missing the drive. Some people don't have the look. A lot of people have the sound here. Some people don't, unfortunately. But he has all three. And that's part of the reason why he's, like, one of my best friends just in general and also my best friend in music. Yeah. Well, uh, from a music video director's perspective, he can act on camera also and, yeah. and really perform. So I always love working with him. Um, how did you guys kind of link up and start working together? So we actually met at KSS because I graduated from KSS. And okay. there was this studio there that a teacher had set up in the video production room. Um, teacher's name is Jonathan Dirksen. Great guy. Um, he actually bought a mic for like Jack DeVille, um, Indigo, um, and all, all of the guys to use MIGs, all of the guys used this mic and it was an, it was an expensive mic <laughs> and he bought it for them to use to get clear vocals. And so I met all the guys through that and we would just sit there and, and hang out and just Indigo and I really connected because we would talk about Kendrick and we talked about Travis. Nice. Both like two of our favorite artists. 
So we just talk about like, oh, did you hear this production thing, whatever. And that's just kind of how we connected. We didn't work until I'm, we had known each other for like three years, I think. Wild, yeah. wild. And uh, how did you end up linking with Castro? And, and who is Castro? I, I know a little bit about him, but... So Castro is part of the Come Down Collective. Okay. Who they started in Toronto. and He's from Atlanta, but they started in Toronto and, you know, amassed some success. And then, yeah, now he's he's down in L.A. and he's he's ready for takeover. Okay, so is, is he, he's popping off a little bit or... Oh, yeah, he's getting... Yeah, his, his latest snippet on Instagram is getting some attention. Nice. For sure. Um, I linked up with Castro. Indigo was recording Why Hate, Why Play. And I was talking to Castro's tour manager at the time. And Castro's tour manager and I had miscommunication. I obviously didn't express what I wanted to do well enough. And he thought I was trying to buy a feature. He's like, oh, we could get like a good price, whatever. And I'm like, that's cool, but that's not really what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is like produce and mix for him. I was more so trying to mix for him because I was focused on that at the time. And so... He's like, oh, okay, like I, Indigo and Castro are making this track, whatever. Um, I want to get you to do it. And I think that's partly um, Brendan who made that decision and partly Indigo. I think it's both of them. And so they came over to my place where we've recorded a lot of stuff, actually. Um, and we recorded the track. I stayed up entirely too late for how early I worked that <laughs> night. And uh, we recorded the whole track. Indigo came back a couple days later. We recorded, re-recorded the parts he wanted to, mixed it, got it all done within like six days, and then it just sat for a little bit. And it's out. I love listening to the song. Yeah, yeah. Do you like listening to the things you've worked on, or some of them? Yeah, some, <laughs> yeah. some of them. No, some of them I do. Yeah. As it kind of ages a little bit, and you get better at your craft, is that where it kind of starts to you're like, oh, I could have done this better, or yeah. It's yeah. It's also like certain things like listening to certain tracks that I could have mixed better. Right. I'm like, okay, that I'm not going to say them because people are going to go back and listen <laughs> to the tracks and be like, yeah. that is off. <laughs> I'll just say certain tracks. I'm like, I listen to it. And I'm like, that's not right. And so I just can't listen to it because I'm like, I know I can do better. I think that's every great artist though. Yeah. I think every great artist has that kind of battle and I, I'm kind of the opposite. So maybe I'm not a great artist, but I just, <laughs> I love all the stuff I do. <laughs> Even the little flaws in it. I'm like, cool. Like that's where it was at at the time. And Hey man, got a little bit of Kanye. In that's okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump up on stage and take the mic from the next Taylor Swift I'm, or something. I'm, I'm going to let you finish, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm a great director. Okay. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm one of the best of all time. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Um, and so how, like, what, what is it a music video producer does, or sorry, a, a music producer does, in your opinion? Because I feel like um, once you start mixing in the word, like, executive producer, mm -hmm. like somebody like a DJ Khaled, yep. people kind of get confused as yep. to what a producer does. Okay, so there's, in the back end of things, there's a bunch of different roles. So there's recording engineer, mixing engineer, mastering engineer. Those are all the engineers, usually. Um, and then those could all be one person as well. Kind of rare in the higher levels, but could be. Then there's the producer. And in that, there's a subgenre of beat makers. And then there's executive producers. So I have filled all of those roles in different times. Uh, recording engineer is what I'm like, what Castro, one of the things Castro loves about me. I think it's part of the reason why I'm going down is because I, I record in a very efficient way. I don't like to mess around. Let's get the lyrics down. Let's get the song down. We can deal with everything after. This is what we're doing in the moment. Mixing engineer is taking that and just making it sound pretty. Is how I like to describe it. Right. I make rappers sound pretty, essentially. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm doing that for the whole tape with Indigo. Um, I helped him do that on the one song on Why Hate, Why Play. Everything else he, he does himself. He's an absolute superhuman. Um, and then mastering engineer is like making it loud. So then you have producers. Real producers... They control the session a little bit and they they give feedback where necessary they tell them if it's dope and they don't need to record another take stuff like that and then there's beat makers who essentially just make the beat send it off i don't particularly like doing that i have done it i don't like doing it because it, it feels like i i don't have as much artistic control right. over what's happening and then executive producing is like taking you get given an album and you let's say you're given 30 tracks and you have to whittle it down to eight. You pick what tracks, and you communicate with the artists and stuff. 
So I'm also doing that. Anigo and I are doing that for Pleiades, where we're trying to sequence it in a way, which is the album we're working on. We're trying to sequence it in a way that flows really well and makes sense. And that's what his executive producing is, is making sure everything flows. Right. Metro Boomin, great executive producer. If you go and listen to Not All Heroes Wear Capes, everything flows into it, each other. Savage Mode 2, everything flows into each other. Uh, without warning, everything flows into each other. That's being a great executive producer. Nice. So the whole kind of album or piece at the end of the day is just like it's one moving piece of art. Yeah. yeah. If you look at it, the best playlists on Spotify and stuff, the people who curate those are actually would be amazing executive producers if they just wanted to shift it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone's done that yet, but they should. Because they, they could literally pitch that to labels and be like, hey, this is my playlist. It all flows. It sounds like it's cohesive. I could do this for albums. Right actually would be a really cool idea yeah that makes sense that makes sense um when you're in the studio recording with these guys is like kind of setting a tone and a vibe a giant part of it also like i'm sure every kind of artist has their own unique process when it comes to recording oh yeah so what happened with um indigo and castro is we were there and um castro and i started playing ping pong as soon as he got there, <laughs> nice. he started playing ping pong. He beat me. I didn't even like let him win or anything like that. He just straight up, he's very good at ping pong. Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't know why I didn't expect it, but man knows how to play ping pong. That should be a music video. Him yeah. like doing like a uh, uh, Balls of Fury style where he's just facing a bunch of different like masters at ping pong and, and it's beating just, like, up. all a bunch of his friends. And stuff. That'd be crazy. That's yeah. like, a really good idea. Hey, I'll direct it. I'll oh, make man. it happen. Hey, man, I'll hit you up 100%. <laughs> Um, so we started playing ping pong and then we're all hanging out and I'm like, Hey, what, what color do you guys want the lights? Whatever. So I changed the lights to whatever color they want. And we're all just hanging out. Some people are on the couch. Some people are in the chairs and they're like, Hey, can we put on anime and just play the beat? Like, sure. We can do that. So I put on the beat on loop and then we put on am- anime and muted it. And they just watched tre- demon slayer while writing the song. And that's just kind of, that's how that song was made. And then Indigo sometimes likes to watch, like, I think it's Topaz something or other, like where people are like um, polishing Topaz diet or stones or something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I didn't know that about him. Yeah. Yeah. He loves stuff like that. So we, <laughs> during like the final parts of recording our tape, he's, he was watching a lot of that. While Interesting. Um, and it's just like, just communicating with the artist. It's, yeah. It's pretty easy. Like, I feel like a lot of people overcomplicate things. It's just right. Like, okay. What do you want? Go off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're there to record them. You're there. Like, you have your influence and your own artistic kind of capabilities on it, but you probably view that part of the session as, like, to capture them in their full moment and their full artistry. Yep. Um, 100%. That's so interesting that you mentioned anime, that they watch anime, because I noticed that about like guys like Jack DeVille and uh, Migs and stuff. Is yep. It seems like anime has played such a giant part in rap and hip-hop music recently. Yep. And I guess like if you go back to like Wu-Tang and stuff like that, like they have a lot of references to kind of like some like the Kung Fu movies that were coming out of Japan and stuff at the time. Yep. Um, maybe China also. So I, I guess there's always been that kind of element to it. But yeah, what, what is that, do you think? Like, um, I think it's just partially... From what I picked up, like I'm, I'm not a huge anime fan. Like mm-hmm. I understand it. Me neither. Yeah. I've, like I've talked to them about it. And what Castro, Migs, and Indy said that night is, actually no, I didn't bring it up that night. I didn't really want to like mess up the vibes. But I talked about it with Indigo later, I believe, and Migs, and they said that it's, uh, it's a lot about the visuals because the visuals are just so stunning. Right. Like, I can, I can appreciate that. It's art. And then it's partially the storylines as well. Like, they really like the storylines. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. Everybody likes their their own thing. And it all comes down to what you relate with. Right. So, you know, someone who's been through struggle and different things like that, they might like anime more because there is struggle and you can see the hardship and everything like that. Me, I haven't gone through a lot of a lot of hardship. So I like the lighthearted stuff. I like friends. I like how I met your mother. <laughs> yeah. I like the office. I well, they like the that, that stuff too, but their go to a lot of the time is like Naruto or right. Game Slayer or stuff like that. Mine is those. So it's just different I think it's different influences. Yeah. Like that. 
Very interesting. My my ultimate goal is to make a uh, gangster film, like a Reservoir Dogs or like yeah. a Casino or Heat or uh, any Guy Ritchie type film, and have yeah. some rappers start referencing it. <laughs> you know, because yeah. like when Quentin Tarantino gets referenced in a song, or yeah. Martin Scorsese, or oh, yeah. one of their films gets referenced in a song, I'm like, I want that so bad, dude. Like yeah, everything. exactly. Um, what did Drake say in uh, in the song with Meek Mill? It's like. Uh, what you say was Don Corleone. Trust right. me, at the top it isn't lonely. Everybody acting like they know me, dog. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gross bars, like crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, who who were some of your producers that you were influenced by, and when you were getting into the game? So I would say I'm actually wearing a Metro Boomin T-shirt. Right nice. Now. This is yeah. Metro uh, is a big one. He's. As far as I'm aware, or as far as I'm concerned, he is top three all time, solidified. He's there forever. Um, Timbaland is a big one. Um, Kanye, I mean Kanye has to be an influence for everyone. Yeah, I, I don't understand people who leave him off. Like, especially our generation. Yeah. yeah, especially anyone like younger than thirty. Yeah, like graduation, right? Has got to be like, yeah, the number one. Yeah, and like I listen to like um, like eight oh eights. And heartbreaks a lot. I listen to like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. That is, that has the best mix song ever, in my opinion, uh, which is Blame Game featuring John Legend. And then I would say like now it's like the Kenny Beats, and I'm starting to get more into like sample making and sample like that type of stuff. Um, so Mario Luciano, who is actually a mentor of mine, definitely influenced by him. Um, Frank Dukes. And then Q Beats, Southside, like all of, all of these people who are like super iconic, I got to say them. And then I also got taught by a dude down in Hollywood named Doug Fenske, who influenced my career more than pretty much anyone. Indigo gives him a run for his money, but I still think Doug influenced my career more than anything. And that you said that was down in Hollywood. Yeah. So you you've been down there before? Yeah, I was down there for school in 2018. Okay, just for school for for music production. For music, yeah. So it's called Create Music Academy, and I I was down there for about five five and a half weeks. I'm like that same amount of time that I'm gonna be down for this time, and um, Doug is like the leader of the school there. He he teaches and everything, and he goes through like songwriting is like the first week, like songwriting and how to properly produce. I can't remember what the second week is or the third week actually. Uh, third week, I think you get introduced to mixing. Fourth week is like you go heavy into mixing and like mastering a little bit. And then your final project is like you mix and master the song only by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, nice. Went number one on, on a couple Trent tracks. Trent Reznor, right? Yeah. 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 Crazy, crazy song. I listen to it now and I'm like, oh, that's cool that they did that because I did it this way. And it's nice. Cool that that's experience. so dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy. And Doug is actually um, multi-platinum Grammy winner, so great guy to learn. Wild, yeah. yeah that's so. Uh, I, I, the often, especially in the film industry and going to film school, like going to film school is not necessary. Yeah. And in my personal experience, I wouldn't even recommend it because yeah. the amount of money that you can spend on school, you can just go and spend on doing a short film, buying your first camera, and actually going and getting paid and, and learning on the job. Yeah. Um, and so the quote is, uh, "Those who can't do teach." Yeah. But when I went down to LA and I was hanging around with some of these people and like um, 1800 nothing records and stuff and it was like they were bringing in like legit, 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 legit people to teach. And so so this guy, you said he had Grammys and like so you were learning from some of the best. Yeah, he has a Grammy for uh, Channel Orange by Frank Ocean. Wow, really? He was on that? Yeah, he recorded on Pink Matter. Wow. Yeah. Damn, because that's got to be one of the most like loved albums of all time as well. Anytime anyone learns that's my mentor, they're, they're, <laughs> they just take a step back. They're like, yeah. really? I'm like, yeah, I text them all the time. That's like, crazy. I text them questions. I'm like, hey, what about this piece of gear? Hey, what would you do in this situation? Different things like that. And it's like, I don't text them that much. It's like probably once a month at this point. But yeah. I, I get a response pretty quickly. And like, he is one of those people where he's on the Grammy board now and everything. So he's... He plays a role in the industry for sure. Yeah. I guess that's the benefit of going down to these kind of like cultural hubs and like worldwide cultural hubs as well, like LA and New York and stuff is that you get instantly tapped into 
the community, like yep. the people that are that are making things happen. Like 100%. when we were down there, like we were, we saw like little Dicky walking down the street. Uh, I think we met like the Thundercat as well. I didn't oh I didn't say goodness. hi to him or anything like that. But yeah, it was just it was just like you're rubbing shoulders with the the best of the best. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm so pumped to get down there. Oh <laughs> I believe it, man. I believe it. Cool. Well, we're gonna take a real quick break and uh, hear from our sponsors, but uh, we'll be right back. Definitely. airports and um i haven't had any major major issues going across the border that i can think of right now my dad kind of like pulls the classic like dad jokes all the time oh yeah yeah you know, yeah i just kidnapped these guys <laughs> and we're like what are you doing like Stop, yeah, no. yeah but you had a, a major airport mishap one yeah time? so i was i was 15 at the time and we we actually drove down to um where did we drive down? It was somewhere in the States. We drove through the border, and then we were flying domestic in the States. And we flew out, got to Phoenix. We were fine. My brother played a golf tournament. And we were leaving, and I had a laptop at the time. It was a demo unit from Best Buy. So it had, like, an abnormality inside of it or something, like, on the bottom right corner. And so um, they flagged it down. And they were like, hey, like, this doesn't seem right. And so instantly I start getting stressed because I'm a 15-year-old <laughs> about to get questioned by the TSA. And so they swab it down and they put it in the machine and it goes off from military-grade explosive residue. What? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, again, I'm oh like, I'm like, uh, that's weird. Oh that shouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Try it again. They're like, maybe it, was a, maybe it was a false positive. Try it again. Goes off again. They're like, okay, maybe it's the machine. And at this point, they're shutting down the security checkpoint <laughs> just in case it's real and it's it's a fucking bomb. And so um, they go and they swab it down again and they put it in the other machine and it goes off from military-grade explosive residue. Oh, my. So they shut down the security checkpoint completely and they're starting to bring in everyone you can think of. <laughs> TSA is there because there's security guards, obviously. And then they bring in the police squad of Phoenix, fire squad of Phoenix, um, bomb squad of Phoenix... Uh, FBI and Homeland Security. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, this I'm is going to get arrested. Yeah, this is serious. <laughs> so then they start to shut down the airport more and more as they're looking into it. They start questioning us. You get asked the same questions about 15 times. Where are you from? Where do you live? What's your address? Da, da, da. Family members, everything like that. Everything fun like that. And so I'm freaking out. And you're by, like, are you with your family at My this point? My dad stayed behind, like... but then... Uh, once they started shutting shutting down everything, all four of us were back together. My middle brother was uh, he was playing hockey at the time, so he wasn't there. He's I don't think he's mad about it anymore, but he was for a very long time. <laughs> so it was me, my oldest brother. There's three of us, and then it was my mom and my dad. And so my dad stayed with me while they were doing all the swabs and everything. And my oldest brother and my mom were just hanging out and just like, "What is going on?" <laughs> I feel like that's gotta be a tell to these people. Like, yo, his family's in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like either he's a psycho yeah. or yeah, either dude's like messed up in there <laughs> yeah. or something. Dude just really needed to blow up an airport. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, then they're like, "Hey, we need to call in the bomb robot and like put it into like this metal box and see if it explodes over your laptop." Yeah. So they come get my laptop, put it in this metal box. It was just it. the beats. They were just that yeah, fire. Just, right? They're just just <laughs> that fire. It was crazy. <laughs> um, and so. They take it off site and they throw it around for a little bit and it doesn't explode. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> I'm not a terrorist. <laughs> Turns out I learned that that day. Um, and so they then go and they, when they were getting the bomb robot, they started to deplane everybody and shut down Terminal 4 of Sky oh. Harbor International Airport. So no planes coming in or out. And this happened for, like, it was shut down for about two hours. And there was people getting aggressive. There was a lady cop who, like, 
was escorting us around, everything like that. She is the most badass person I have ever had the privilege of being around, <laughs> ever. She is so sick. This dude was getting all intense, some business dude, and getting to trying to get to a meeting, understandable. But he's like, I need to get to my flight. Like, I need to go there. And he starts, like, kind of getting up on this chick, like, aggressive towards her. And she's like, sir, I'm going to need you to de-escalate or I'm going to de-escalate for you. <laughs> she said it in that exact tone. And I was like... That's the coolest thing I've ever <laughs> yeah, heard like, in my life. She's confident. She's yeah. about to fuck some shit up. Yeah, I was like, she's about to like flip this dude or something. <laughs> this is gonna be sick. And so they, it didn't explode. Whatever. They saved my hard drive. I had trash beats at the time, but I was thankful for it because I was <laughs> yeah. like, yes, get to keep my beats. And I thought they were so good. They're horrible, That's but so funny. I was so happy. And we got detained for another like six hours once once everything had gone by. Because they're like, we need to look through these people's history and check if there's anything. There wasn't. And um, so for some reason, the airline felt bad, so they bought us pizza. I don't know why they felt bad. The TSA was doing their job. I understand that. They're just making sure no one blows up. Pretty well, yeah. Yeah. Pretty reasonable. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fair. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate the yeah. pizza. Yeah. 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 I'm like, not unnecessary. Did it have pineapples on it? Or? No. Oh, thank no. God. Yeah, right? <laughs> Terrible. Um, and then we got home. By the time we got home, we like we flew all over like the, the southwest of the states because we had like three connecting flights or something because it was so weird the way that it happened. And by the time we got back to... Uh, wherever we were i can't remember where it was we were driving around or like we landed and it was like two or three a.m we're like we're not driving back to Kelowna today so we stayed the night and then we drove back and i missed school on that monday so everybody's like oh like where were you (laughs) whatever and like my best friend and my girlfriend at the time only those two knew and so i get back to class and they're like where where were you whatever I'm like, oh, I shut down an international airport. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Yeah, classic J. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, you know? right. <laughs> classic guy. What, what a crazy yeah, guy. You're so funny. <laughs> and then um, I pulled up the news clip. I was like, oh, <laughs> there was a news. There was a story. news. There was a news story. I was like, oh, really? Oh my lord! Boom! Put it up, everybody. Our teacher was like, does anybody have any any questions <laughs> for JR? Everybody yeah. put their hand up. Everybody put their hand up instantly. I was like. Yeah, let's get into this. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about this. Most popular kid for the day, for yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. For the week, because, like, <laughs> I went to youth group, and, like, everybody asked me about it. They're all the leaders were like, hey, I heard, th- is this true? I'm like, yeah, it's true. That's They're like, wild. Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine <laughs> now. I'm great. At the time, eh, maybe not, but now I'm amazing. <laughs> I have a story to tell for the rest of my life. No doubt. Yeah. Damn, that is a good story. Who so else d- at 15 shuts down an international airport and gets to walk away? <laughs> yeah. Not many people. So did you like ever figure out why that went off or like what caused no. it to go off? And nope. It was a used laptop, you said? Nope. It was a demo unit at Best Buy. Damn. So the military-grade explosive residue might be because of the fertilizer at a golf course because C4 and fertilizer have common elements oh the abnormality still don't know like the computer is completely broken i have it but i haven't looked into it and <laughs> you like, still have the computer i still have the computer yeah right? you have to frame that thing yeah. or something oh yeah it's it's in lethbridge right now I yeah. th- like i like i don't know anybody that's ever seen a bomb robot before like it's really cool we couldn't really see it we had to see it through the glass and like through the <laughs> reflection so you're not allowed to see it because yeah. it's like this thing might explode you're taking like instagram videos of your own bomb video. <laughs> bomb I, was, I wasn't allowed to have anything if i would have taken out my phone i probably would have been tackled jeez it's like oh he's trying to film him blowing up an airplane no i'm not no I, what <laughs> stop that's so wild yeah damn that's crazy. Well, I mean, that get, puts a lot of uh, confidence in the airports nowadays. In yeah, my right? mind, like, right? It's like okay, so over something like that, they shut down. I did the math. I like I wrecked about twenty thousand people a day that day, and roughly anywhere from like twenty five to a hundred million dollars U.S. Yeah, I messed up that much in that short amount of time, and I'm like. <laughs> Cool. I feel like that's got to be your beat tag. Like, I got some bomb-ass beats. Or something, you know? Indigo. Yeah. If you listen to this, we need that. Yeah, he'll say it way cooler than I would. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. He'd, like, do some crazy, like, high pitch something or other. Sound like, the young thug, but indigo. And it's just like, <laughs> what is going on, man? Well... Knock on wood, nothing like that happens to you when yeah. you're going down LA this time yeah. around. Because ideally, 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 
We'll see. Good story, but yeah. way too stressful. Don't want it again. I'm cool with the one time. I'm cool with being 15 doing it. I don't need to be 19 doing it. We're good. We're cool. We did it the one time. I don't need to do it again. We're cool. Um, so going all down to LA, and we like talked about how how like that's that hub that you can get yep. tapped into and stuff. Yep. Is the goal to kind of bring some of those connections back to the Okanagan, or do you see yourself settling down somewhere like that for for the for the future? Both. It's definitely both. Near term, I would say I want to bring people back. And um, one of the things that I'm going to talk to with different people I meet is, hey, I live in this really cool city. And I have a place that you guys can come live for a week or two. And we can record the entire time, have a good time, hang out, whatever. And that'll be like later after I've met them a couple times. Like Castro, I would say that. I would text him that. I know Castro at this point. But it's like the other people that I'm hoping to meet, um, I would be like, Hey, let's, let's come back. Let's record and just kind of bring that to the, to the Okanagan. But I mean, ideally go down to LA at some point or New York or one of, one of those places, Miami. I don't really want to live in Miami, but go down to Miami and set up there and really blow things up. And, and Castro and I have, have some conversations that we're going to have about some some cool stuff so we'll we'll see what, how that goes yeah i'm always uh i feel like the okanagan is um on the verge and especially cologne on the verge of being one of these cities that's like truly on the map and yep. people know about and i and obviously i never see it being like a vancouver or necessarily like in like an la or new york or miami or whatever um but i can i can definitely see it being a place where where uh, artists come and they you know uh, my my dream would be have a studio and like maybe even a studio on a winery or something yeah. like that that like nobody knows about and yep. these very like famous very talented artists some of the world's best could come through hit the Jordan Powers experience up yep. you know do a yep. podcast episode and then record for a month or yep. something like that and I, I feel like the valley is is primed for something like yep. that and we have a ton of celebrities already yep. just kicking around the Okanagan like I know Justin Bieber comes here every yep. now and again I know. Yep. Uh, uh, Kim Kardashian was out on the boat hmm. uh, on, on in the lake like last summer. Really, and she made like an Instagram post about it, and hmm. then um, obviously all the NHL players and yep. stuff like that. Yep. So yep. we got something special going on here, but we're clearly not like a hundred percent there. Yet. Yep, and it's one of those things where I I want to be in Kelowna even when I'm gone because at at some point I will be gone. I will be moving somewhere else. But I still want to be here in some way, whether that's having a place here or, you know, coming back and, and doing shows and recording or whatever, whatever it ends up being. I still want to be here because at the end of the day, Lethbridge may be my hometown, but this is my home. Hmm. This is where I grew into me. This is where Jay Harv was born as a brand, as a, as a producer and helped me become better as a person. And so I will always have love for the city. It's not going to be my forever, like you know, resting place, but it'll be somewhere that I keep coming back to and bringing artists through and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, um, do you, do you think that the hip hop scene here in town or even just the music scene in general can support, uh, someone with the goals and ambitions like yourself and, and eventually like, and, and theoretically, if you hit all those goals and mm -hmm. ambitions, do you feel like this Valley can support that? Or is it inevitable that you have to leave? I think certain people can. But at the end of the day, I think that there's certain places that everyone needs to go. And I think that L.A. is one of those places, especially when you're getting off the ground. I think that, you know, there's a, there is a select few people in, in the hip-hop community that have love for me and that I have love for. It's very select individuals. And those are the people that I want to see come down to L.A. at some point. And we'll come back and we'll, we'll make, we'll run the city in terms of the music scene, everything like that. But it's also one of those things where I think that L LA has more growing room. This is, this is a place to build character and a good place to start a fan base. But I think that if you want to reach the heights, you either got to be in, in Atlanta, LA, Miami, New York, Houston, one of those places at some point, because that's mm -hmm. the way you're going to get tapped into these people that are going to push your career to the next level. If you're looking for a manager, you're not going to find it in Kelowna. You're not going to find a good manager in Kelowna. This is why I have not asked anyone to be my manager. No, and in any and it's the same with acting and filmmaking. Like yeah. I tell everybody, like don't sign with an agent from town. No offense to 
any of the talent agencies here in town, but you're just not it. You're just, yeah. you're just not it. And yeah. that's just being practical. It's yeah. like, you have to go somewhere else and, and find a true agent. Yeah. And like my sites are always, how can we sell out stadiums? Selling out shows. That's sick. If you're doing that, you're living good. You're living off your music. You're living good. How can we be, how can, how can I grow with an artist to the level that, you know, someone like like Travis is at or Drake or Kanye or you know people like that how can we be infamous and leave our mark because at the end of the day if you want to make music for fun and just have a good time that's cool that's not what I'm about though I'm about being the absolute best that I can be at anything I do I was going to go be an investment banker and I was already looking into, I already did the LSAT because I was going to go into law school and I was going to go in and be the best investment banker people have ever seen in their life. I was going to work all the hours, whatever. I'm just shifting that to music now because I, I was like, music is more fun for me. So it's like, oh, okay, you want to play with my time? We don't have to, we don't have to speak. We don't have to have meetings. We don't have to record. If you're about it, I'm still about having fun but I also want to do something with it. And that's where Indigo and I see eye to eye, where he's like, he's very serious about his brand. He's very serious about making quality music. And we just, we have a good time in the studio. It's not like I'm in the studio like, oh man, like you got to record these lines. We got to like make this most popular thing ever. It's like, no, let's, let's record it. And then that's when we actually work. Mm-hmm. But if you're at the studio working, I know you're about it. Well, and you'll be bald in four years from stress if you become an investment banker. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> nobody wants yeah, that at yeah, all. Exactly. I love my hair, so that's yeah. That's let's not do that. Uh, you said uh, you said infamous, yeah. Instead of like famous or legendary, and like infamous kind of has a tone of slightly going against the grain, not being loved by everybody. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that is uh, almost inevitable and and comes with the territory of being in hip hop? I'm already there. I'm already there's there's a lot of people that I have I have rubbed the wrong way but it's it all comes down to they have they have disrespected my time they've disrespected me they don't understand the value that I can bring and maybe they just haven't seen it which is fair like I don't have that much stuff out I think I have four songs out understandable that some people would be like oh like whatever but these there's certain people that have seen me at work and they still aren't coming correct and aren't you know moving the right way so it's like we don't have to speak we don't have to be in the same room then because i'm trying to get to these heights i'm trying to get to quincy jones i'm not trying to be kanye kanye is amazing i'm not trying to be an artist though i'm not trying to be timbaland because timbaland he's he's definitely like he's in the culture he's never going to leave he's one of the he's my greatest producer ever in my opinion he's the he's shifted the sound a lot of ways as well I'm trying to go for Quincy Jones, though, where if you look at the things he's done, he made Thriller by Michael Jackson, 33 times platinum, 3.3 times diamond. It's not all about the numbers, but the numbers mean something. I'm trying to shoot for that level of greatness. And if someone isn't trying to shoot for that level of greatness, then what are you doing? Like, If you're doing it for fun, that's sick. But I'm, I am, but I'm not. Well, you're definitely a very confident cat. Where does that come from? My dad. Yeah? 100% my dad. Um, he he instilled it in all three of his boys and also my mom. He's kind of, he's just one of those people where he believes in himself a lot. He's more quiet than I am as well, a lot more reserved. So he's he's more of the humble, confident. I'm a little bit more of the, you know, harder <laughs> harder pill to swallow. And you're the youngest? I'm the youngest. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense then. And like coming <laughs> coming into the music scene as well here, uh, I got cut out of a lot of things. And so I've had a chip on my shoulder this entire time. And so I'm just, I'm ready to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to come back and be boastful about it, but it's also going to be like, oh, okay, you played with my time. Let's let's charge you for it now. <laughs> That's gonna, what it's going to be. And uh, what do you think the Kelowna music scene needs, more specifically on the hip-hop scene, but how do, how do we make it a better scene, in your opinion? Um, stop releasing bad music. <laughs> Please. Stop releasing poorly mixed, poorly <laughs> produced stuff, because, like... There's so many people out there that I hit play and about five seconds in, I'm turning it off because I'm like, 
this already doesn't sound good. That's fair. That's fair. But there must have been a point where you were releasing music that you would consider bad. And, oh, and yeah, like it was terrible. Releasing it has got to be part of that journey, no? Yeah, 100%. But it's also, I've, I've tried to work with these people, mm. and they said no. I and see. so I'm just like, just... You're like, I could have elevated this project. Yeah, I feel like my my mixing if it was in play or if I if they called me to produce or whatever I feel like I could have done it better and so that's just spe- very specific artists in terms of like Huey Doge or Huey Doja yeah Huey Doge yeah. Huey Doge he's a fantastic artist I love his music yeah I've never worked with him I don't think I've even hit him up but I he's a fantastic artist that's tight keep I love Huey Okanagan keep doing more stuff like that please that's amazing Indigo keep going Obviously, I love Indigo. That's my brother. And keep doing more stuff like that. And it's like artists like that where they're releasing, they're in the studio, they're recording, everything like that. Um, and, you know, there's there's certain people that I look at and they're recording and, and working. And I'm like, that's good. But let's try to tweak it a little bit. Because there's certain things that, like, as an artist, you don't have, you don't need to, be doing everything that you do like you don't need to mix it and everything especially if you have a whole team around you so you can just really play the creative role and like listen to it and be like oh we should change this and stuff and I feel like people aren't listening to their own music enough before releasing it they make it mix it and then the next week it's out could be a way to do it that's how the SoundCloud era was but the SoundCloud era is also filled with a bunch of legends and they're all very geographically dispersed they weren't all in one area so we have Statistically, we'll have one. And so if we just keep releasing bad stuff, we'll have one. If we, keep, if we start releasing quality stuff and people start tapping in with the right mixing engineers and people start getting Deus to do more stuff and, and stuff like that and getting Sheen to produce more, everything like that. Yeah, shout out somewhere in the valley, shout yep. out the vault. Yep. 100%. If we get more people working with those guys, it's, it's going to go up. Yeah, but as of right now, using the YouTube beats is played out. Using your buddy who doesn't know how to mix to mix is played out. Use the people who know how to do it. Use the people who research it. Deus researches that. He is one of those people who all he does is record and mix and master. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He doesn't produce like I do, where I get into the creative mind of it like way too much. Where I could switch this in the beat, or whatever. I get too much into it a little bit sometimes. He just pushes out content. It's crazy. He's he's amazing. He's a pro. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So we need to count on people like that more who have reputations. And I think that's where the, the struggle comes from is because those people deserve to get paid for what they do. And yep. a lot of time when you're an up-and-coming hip-hop artist in the Okanagan, yep. you know, you don't have you have to pay your rent to live here. And everybody knows the housing market's crazy in town. Yep. Um, and so all that extra cash, all when you count your pennies, it goes to that. And so I think that's where really... If the if the local colonial government is really about the arts and about you know promoting yep. local artists, yep. they need to tap into the hip hop scene and and make sure they're putting money in the pockets of those artists so yep. that they can pay guys like Dez, pay guys like Little Sheen, pay guys like yourself to yep. do what you do best. Yep, and it's, it's and myself also. I, I make I make almost all my music videos. I pay out of my own pocket to do. Yep, right. Hundred so. percent. And it's it's also one of those things where even if the even if the government doesn't necessarily do it like. I feel like a lot of people could band together. It's very clicky here. It's always been clicky in Kelowna, where even back in high school, not even on music stuff, it's it's clicky. If you look at grown-up friend groups, very clicky. Everyone's very clicky. And so that's going to be the death of the Kelowna music scene, is we have this camp over here, and oh they said something about this camp over here, so, oh, we can't mess with them. And they said something about this camp over here, so both these can't mess with these. Shut up. <laughs> work together. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think Atlanta is so hot? Because they all work together. They all are about one thing. Let's release music. Let's blow up a art, new artist every week. Why do you think there's a new, young, rich black man out of Atlanta every single week? It's because they're all banding together. Atlanta is a community. Kelowna's not. Kelowna is... Everybody wants to step on everybody's neck, and I don't understand it. Like, work with each other. It's not hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that and that is you're not wrong. That that has been um, 
something in Kelowna that is, I think is getting better, though. I th- especially in the music scene, I think yep. it's getting better. But yeah, even when I was uh, rocking with those Rare Breed boys, man, mm. like they got so much hate from the local scene yeah. for for a, for a, for a while there, and it was like, well, what the fuck, man? We're doing yeah. the exact same thing that you're trying to do. Yeah, like pride what? is the devil. Pride is the devil. Pride is the devil. Yep. Okay, well, uh, we're going to hear from our very last sponsor, and then we'll come back for a third segment. But, uh, yeah, this has been dope so far, dude. Hell yeah. Sweet. Catch you in a few. graduated with my sister and uh i got hired to do my sister's graduation um video and like actually that's where i first saw cameron ambrosio as well he was yeah. uh, one of the hosts <laughs> of like like okam does like this fashion show thing yep. where like you go through whatever like like i think ours we went through like the, the like the 60s the 70s the 80s and like mm. different style and then theirs it was like a um like bill and ted adventure time machine kind of thing and so cam was one of the hosts and and that's when i noticed like cam's like a performer like i feel like cam actor. would have killed that outfit too he crushed it mm. but uh austin uh Dez stepped yeah. up on stage and like crushed a song and i <laughs> i reached out to him after and i was just like uh i was like yo man i'd, I'd love to shoot some videos for you and so he kind of and photos for you and so he kind of helped uh kick my career in the in the hip-hop scene here That's so sick. yeah i got mad respect for that guy um we're back uh I usually I, I brought this up um, on a podcast with uh, Balin um, McGraw, who is a lead singer for a metal band here okay. in town called Ugly. Um, and what he, a great name! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna. I think I'm gonna drop that um, tomorrow. So when the time we're recording this, it will be dropped tomorrow. So by the time I release this, that episode will already be out. <laughs> but. Um, I usually ask this question when I'm on a date with a girl and bring her to Jack's or something like that. And I'll just I feel be so like, honored that I'm going to be able to ask this. <laughs> and so they, you ha- they have like the, the, the wall of albums and stuff up there. Oh, yeah. And I always say, if you were on a plane and this plane was carrying the world's, you know, vinyl records or like at least one vinyl from each of those, each, uh, uh, from each band or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and that plane crashed and you're on a deserted island and you can only take three vinyl records. Mm. And for some reason, you have a vinyl record player on this island <laughs> that's okay. intact as well. It's a lit island. What three vinyl records, what three records would you take to listen to with you on this island? That's a, that's a great question. That is a fantastic question. Number one, I have to say Astroworld because it influenced me more than anything else. I have it tattooed on my leg. Really? I have it tattooed on, on my thigh. Because it influenced my sound more than anything else. I think people will will begin to understand that when Inigo and I drop our tape and when Castro and I start dropping music as well. Um, what else? What else would I have? Honestly, uh, The Healing Component by Mick Jenkins, I would have okay. to say. Great album. Um, one weird song where I'm like, the rhythm doesn't really make sense to me. But everything else, it's like a super soulful rap Everything like that. And then, um, What Could Possibly Go Wrong by Dominic Fike. Wild. Yeah. Wild. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't pick Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Uh, Damn wouldn't, wouldn't be on that list anyway if it was Kendrick. It would probably be To Pimp a Butterfly. Nice. Um, Damn is a, is a great project, but To Pimp a Butterfly is, it just is so much more impactful, and the, the sonics are just crazier so yeah fair so why astroworld why what, what about astroworld inspired you so much because for me um when that um album dropped uh i had nothing but respect for the visuals yeah like that whole scene when he was like doing like the trailer of oh, his the coming out where he's oh, where he's in the shopping cart and he's going through the the Meteors. mall and just to me i'm like hey this dude is a visionary like yeah. he is a true artist yeah. and then you could see that he he expanded astral world into the visual side of things which yep. is something i would love to be a part of in the future but what about the 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 tape that made you so so in love with it it's it's a combination of why he made it 
So Astroworld was the theme park in Houston. It was the Six Flags. And Travis and all his buddies would go down there. And it got torn down in 2005. So it was it was gone. Travis didn't know where to hang out anymore because that was like their spot. And so he told all his buddies, I'm going to bring this back. Like, I'm going to bring back Astroworld. And before Birds in the Trap had even dropped, he announced Astroworld. I think it maybe even was before Birds was announced, but I, I don't know that for sure. But for sure, before Birds dropped, he announced Astroworld. And so he had this vision since probably even before Al Farrow of... I'm going to get to a level where I can bring back Astroworld and bring back the good times that I had and people can experience the nostalgia and like how being a kid in Houston felt for, for Jack Webster III. And so um, he went and just everything about it, if you listen to it with the intention of like amusement park, stargazing gets you up and everything like that, and the whole thing past that, past when you first click play on Stargazing, is an amusement park. Every track is a different ride. And another part about it is I was down in L.A. when it dropped. I was at school. So I got to talk about it with other people who were doing music. And I was going to pick up my dad at LAX when, uh, when we were listening to it, me and my mom. And we were listening to R.I.P. Screw, and it said... Like, the lyric is, like, um, drop top with the windows up. And we had my mom's drop top down there, and the windows were up. So it was just one of those moments where it's like, what Whoa. is going on? Yeah. Then came home, played it with my buddies for the next ever. And um, my grad gift and my Christmas gift for uh, 2019, well, Christmas 2018, 2019 um, is when I graduated, was general admission tickets to Astroworld in Vancouver. Wow, so you got to go see them. Yeah, and general admission, that's the floor. No seats, nothing. So it's a mosh pit. And seeing the live performance of it as well made everything come together in a way that was crazy. And um, it was one of those things where it, it was a year and a half of my life that it just took over. Because I would be listening to, like if you listen to Stargazing, the second part has crazy delays. The first part has has pretty cool effects as well. But like the echoes on his voice on the second part of Stargazing are crazy. Then you go into Carousel and hearing Frank Ocean for the first time, you're like, who is this? And then it's like, oh, this is Frank. Then Sicko Mode comes on. Everybody knows Sicko Mode overplayed at this point. But when you first listen to it, you're like, that's Drake. Like Drake is on this album. Then you get to R.I.P. Screw. And the delay that you hear... It's like the second or third time the hook goes through and it's like there's a certain way to do it that I understand now but at the time I did not and it just delays out and then at a certain point when everything's super calm it drops out and all the chaos goes away everything makes sense again because a lot didn't when the delay was happening and it's just like those things I picked up on and I was like I need to learn how to do that and so it's just it's I mean, Travis is my biggest influence. Mike Dean as well. Uh, those those two collectively, and then if we if we throw in Kanye, those three are are the biggest influences for me. Mm-hmm. When you had those uh, general admission tickets to to yeah. to the concert, um, are you in the mosh? Genuinely, just enjoying the experience and the moment, and like kind of letting loose, or are you? analyzing everything and being like, yo, where am I at? Because I don't know if the audience can tell, but I've been drinking tequila with orange juice for the whole night and you've just been dialed in with the agua, (laughs) (laughs) that H2O. So I'm curious, like, do you actually just like let loose at those shows or do you, or do you? At shows, yeah, 100%. I don't do live sound. I don't want to do live sound. Right. I, I I overanalyze music when I'm listening to it, like in my car, in headphones, everything like that. Like, I love listening to music. I hate listening to music. It's terrible. I feel like you probably <laughs> experienced this with videos as well, where you're like, oh, this is that effect, and like they did it this way. And of everything course, like that. yeah. I do that with music every time I listen to it, which is all the time. So it, it kind of sucks. It's cool, but it kind of sucks. <laughs> when I was at Astroworld, it's one of those things where I did look around, and I was just like, holy goodness, look at like everything that's happening. But it's also like... When Travis jumps and the flames come out, you start jumping and pushing people. 
because you're just like this is this is happening. Carousel comes on and you just like start like throwing people around. There was one song that I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. And so. When you eventually have a project that blows up yeah. and, and, and you're on a world tour and stuff like that, do you imagine yourself on stage or are you, are you in the background? Like, are you like, do you DJ at all or? No, I don't DJ, but, um, what Mike Dean does, I think is really cool where he's on stage and he's playing the synthesizers. I don't know if I would ever do that because I also want to, at some point move into the business end of the music industry and like put, if I can be like, you know, some form a creative role in the show in terms of like putting the stage design together or whatever track list everything like that i would love to do that but i would also like to just sit in the back and just be like look at what we made like look at what we did because it's one of those things where i think shows are a very special thing because it's a time to reflect for a lot of people and for the artist it's time to go crazy promotion let's do it for the people for some people i feel like it's probably a time to, to just sit back and be like We've made it this far. I remember where we started. Now we're here. It's going to be one of those things where it's like, I remember we started in a closet studio at KSS. Now we're here. It's going to be one of those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, and being on the road is such a grind, dude. I don't know yeah. if people, like, growing up, um, my, my dad was a drummer, and he, he, he moved out of the Okanagan uh, when he was 18 uh, to go pursue being in a rock band uh, in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and then he met my mom, and my mom was, like, in love with him for being a drummer and stuff like that. Yeah. And at some point, she was just like, hey, dude, you got to smarten up when we got to start a family, you know? And yeah. so she just, like, really <laughs> was like, yo, this is what it is. <laughs> And so, so growing up, like, like I had kind of a similar dream of like, I played drums and, and wanting to be, you know, on stage and, and partying and hanging out with models and all these things yeah. and, and drinking every night. And I kind of, but, um, when the dirt came out by Mo, uh, the movie about Motley Crue, okay. um, I remember mentioning to my dad is just like, I'm not built for that. No. I'm not built for that lifestyle. Like that is such a difficult lifestyle to, to like, I've never stayed up 24 hours in my entire life. It's, it's, it's not that great. It's not that great. Like it's tough. Yeah. So I I can imagine being the one on stage and always performing night after night and not even know what city you're in. And like, it's, it's a grind. And like, yeah. yeah. Mad respect to the artists. Like a hundred percent. I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be that state of tired. Like, I'll be tired. I don't know if I'm going to be, like, you know, on the road. I won't be performing. I know that for sure. I don't think I'll ever be that type of tired where it's like, okay, I just did a show. We woke up really early because we needed to drive to this other place. They want me to record a feature, and I have to perform tonight. What? Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't think I'll ever experience that type of just exhaustion. And the fact that they can do it is nuts. One of the guys I met at uh, 1800 and nothing um, for literally maybe 30 seconds, and I was the least important person out of the rare breed group that he had to meet, yep. um, was a guy named Rance. And he he started 1800 nothing, and they like they were like a church group in... Um, Inglewood and okay. then they've like he's now like this whole whole group has gone on to and this band that was that was playing at the church had gone on to like be um like the background um band for Jay-Z and Beyonce yep. Yep. um for the Migos at Coachella like they're Jeez. just legends they got Grammys on the wall yep. and um he I, I, I I'm I'm, I'm kind of just going based off memory so obviously it wouldn't be 100% but basically he flew in from Europe is my understanding Rolled into 1800 and nothing, which is the studio, came and said hi to us, took five minutes out of his day to say hi to us, then hopped into a studio to go record with another guy for probably like an hour or two, and then he was off on another private jet to go and fly to New York to go record with another artist. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was like, yo, that was that dude's day. That was one day. He was in okay. Europe and then LA and then a little recording session, five minutes from these random ass dudes from Kelowna. Yeah. And <laughs> okay, so maybe maybe, I will, maybe I will experience that type of exhaustion <laughs> at some point. Yeah. I wow. Oh my goodness. It was me. nuts, man. It was nuts. Yeah. I don't like, I don't understand how they fun. Maybe I need to start drinking coffee. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, you don't drink coffee? I don't, I don't drink coffee. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. I'm at the point where, like, a whole French press of coffee is, like, it gets me to normal. <laughs> it gets me to a functional capability. Yeah, I wake up at, like, 5.30 for work, and I'm just, like, raw dog in life. Oh, man. 
<laughs> you should make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> I'm up at five and I raw dog life. <laughs> no drugs. Don't really drink that much. No coffee. Raw hey, dog in life, man. Good for you, dude. Because like, honestly, like I, I've definitely been inspired by like the whole troubled artist kind of mm. thing before. And I think a lot of people are, and it's, it's not necessary, if, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, just keep doing that. If that works for you, definitely. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, well, we've discussed how you're going to LA. Yep. Um, but I want to take this kind of like last moment of the podcast to shout out all the things that you got going on, where people can find you, yep. some of the projects you've worked on in the past so people can have some reference to what you've done. And, and yeah, take it away. All right. So uh, people can find me on Instagram at HeyJHarv. It's H-E-Y-J-H-A-R-V. And then Twitter, same thing. Um, I'm not going to give up my Snapchat on here. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> and then... Um, you know, projects that, uh, that I've released, I have one called smooth operator. It's by a dude named supply. Uh, he's out of Colorado, went to school in Hollywood with him. Mad love for the dude. Uh, he goes by a different name now, but that was back in those days. First song that I produced mixed and mastered. So I actually really enjoy that song still didn't master it loud enough, but whatever. Um, and then where I need to be by Cameron James and myself, which features indigo. And so that's on all streaming services as well. Um, produced, recorded, mixed, mastered, did the outro on that one. And then also worked on Raw Raw by Indigo uh, featuring Castro Guapo. I recorded that one, helped mix it, and then Indie mastered it, produced it, also um, co-mixed it with me, um, everything like that. What I got going on right now is you know working with Castro, everything like that. Um, we've recorded some songs. We're going to record some more songs and see what we can do. Indigo and I have seven songs together on a tape called Pleiades, which will, you know, I was about to, I was about to say, you know, almost a release date. I'm not going to say that yet. Uh, <laughs> it's dropping in the fall. And then, so I just, I got to get that done and everything like that. And then past that, just working on, uh, working on setting up, setting up a brand for myself called Midnight Club, which everybody will see what that is in the future. We'll, Sweet. We'll leave them confused for now. Hells yeah, man. Well, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see where your career takes off to and what you got going on uh, after the whole LA experience. And Definitely. Yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast, my man. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, put all those descriptions down in the... Or sorry, all those links down in the description below. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, people.